your service. It's Welcome to Health. Greatest Brains and the Welcome to Health Center bring you Dr. Kurt Rexroth, chiropractor and clinical nutritionist. Dr. Rexroth is here to answer your questions about chiropractic, nutrition, or healthy weight loss. So give Dr. Rexroth a call at 344-1420, or you can find him online at welcometohealth.com. And now here's Dr. Kurt Rexroth. Good morning, Quad Cities. I'm telling you, we got a great show for you today. Um, got an article here right in front of me, antibiotics still overprescribed for sore throat and bronchitis. Now, just that kind of sounds like, you know, a little bit, uh, what would you say, pessimistic, but I, it's so important that I want you to make sure you listen up for this program. But first, before we get started, I want to remind you of something very, very important, and that is that your health is in your hands. You cannot abrogate the responsibility for your health. You know, it's, it's true that health's not for everybody. You know, some people are just like totally out of touch. They want to give their responsibility over to somebody else. You know, they want to say, well, that's the doctor's job. My health is the doctor's job, not my job. But I have to tell you, what we're going to talk about this morning shows you that it's not the doctor's job. It is your job. You've got to know about what makes you healthy, what makes you sick, in fact, most of us kind of do, and we do this yearly experiment. As a matter of fact, we, uh, we have this thing where every year we kind of make ourselves sick during the holiday season by eating the wrong things, interrupting our sleep schedule. We do all kinds of different things that make it so that we, um, you know, we've repeated the experiment. We realize, oh my gosh, I just don't feel good. If I'm going to die, it's probably going to be right around Christmas or New Year's because uh, every year I go through the same, same type of thing. So, you know, we know how to make ourselves sick. We also know what kinds of things make us well. But it, it involves a certain kind of attitude. It involves a responsibility on our part to realize that we have to be mindful. We have to know chiropractically what chair is messing up our back, no matter how good it looks or how convenient it is in front of the television. We have to know that that couch is not built for human beings. We have to know these things. We have to know what types of foods actually support our mental health, our physical health, our weight health. We have to know those things. We have to learn those things because one thing that I tell my patients constantly is this, that chiropractic is an incredibly powerful healing modality, absolutely incredible. It affects the health of the nervous system as well as the tensions that we hold in our muscles. Uh, they, I mean, the nervous system is the brain, is the central nervous system, this nervous system that goes into our hands and our feet, et cetera. All of those things are involved with chiropractic, and all of those things are just so important. I mean, we live through our nervous system, right? That's our awareness. Our brain is our awareness. And so all of these things are so, so very vital. But you have to realize that it's your responsibility to keep the nervous system healthy. It's your responsibility to keep the spine healthy. Your chiropractor is your healer helper. He's not your healer. You are the healer. And so you have to become more and more mindful of what is good and what is bad in your life, what affects you positively, what affects you negatively. And you've got to accept responsibility and take control of those different elements in order to be healthy. Now, again, health's not for everyone. People will sometimes just give over and in a kind of, of a dependency mentality to other people. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Now, just as an, an announcement before we do anything else today, I want to make sure you know that even though you are responsible for your health, there are helpers. There are people who realize that you're responsible but are willing to 
become part of your team. And that's what we are at the Welcome to Health Center. We are part of your team. All you need to do is just come over, let us know that you want to recruit us as information, etc., and we will help you build your the mental strength, the mental awareness, etc., that you need to take control of your health. And that is what we do. Um, Tuesday evening, we have a weight loss seminar where we actually tell you how, as a matter of fact, people put on weight and how they take off weight and how they can do it in the most healthy possible way, which not only restores a normal weight, but also restores the nervous system, restores health. You can get you can go to your uh, medical doctor and all those numbers that he's been talking about that just, you know, have been out of control, get back into control. So be sure to take advantage of your helpers also, but never pass your responsibility to watch out for your own health to anybody else because there's nobody else that's the healer. You are the healer. Okay, now, if if you want to give us a call, 309-764-2115, and leave a message, tell us you're coming to the seminar on Tuesday evening at 6.30, and we will be happy to greet you and welcome you. After all, Welcome to Health Clinic is a welcoming place, so you can come in and we can, we can meet and uh, and get, just drink in the information because it is just fun, entertaining, and yet it is very, very poignant in terms of how you can rebuild your health. Okay, let's get into the topic because this topic is so important this time of year, actually any time of year, but, but especially this time of year. And what goes on is this. The article I have in front of me is one of the most important articles I've run into on Medscape News. And many of you know that the Medscape is one of the primary sources of information for medical doctors. And um, uh, it, it just has these just articles that just really bite to the core. Um, and this one's called Antibiotics Still Overprescribed for Sore Throat and Bronchitis. And what is emphasized in this article, I'll say it right off the bat, is that not many sore throats require antibiotics and no bronchitis requires antibiotics. Now, let's just look into the bronchitis thing first because it's the most extreme because, I mean, and the reason I bring this article up is, is very, very simple. I get patients coming in routinely and they say, well, I, I had a cold and or a flu. I don't know which one it was. But then when I, I went to my medical doctor, he says, well, you know, you're starting to cough and things like that and you've got some bronchitis, so let's give you antibiotics. And... Um, this article published in Medscape News says that that is exactly the wrong thing to do. It's the most inappropriate recommendation that can be made. And it, uh, let me just read you just a little bit of the, the um, article here. It says that um, when it comes to bronchitis, that what happens in bronchitis is you have the cold for about a week or a week and a half, and then, or, uh, and then you go into coughing. And the bronchitis lasts about three weeks and then is over with just if you do absolutely nothing but let the healer in you take over because you are a healing animal. Your whole system is designed to heal you and to defend you against these viral invaders. He says most of the, the bronchitis is preceded by a viral infection and therefore antibiotics do nothing against it. Okay, 
and yet antibiotics can destroy many of your other defenses. And so they really don't want you to be involved with it. And this is what they, how the article starts. Doctors are writing six times as many antibiotic prescriptions for sore throat as they should and are prescribing antibiotics for bronchitis despite no evidence of benefit. Now, I want to say that again because that is just so, so hard to get into people's heads. For bronchitis, there is no evidence of benefit. And this is a medical journal article. This was released by Jeffrey Linder, MD, from the Harvard Medical School in Boston. Now, that's a, got a fairly good reputation, Harvard Medical School. Now, if they say no antibiotic prescriptions are appropriate for antibiotics, I think we should listen for a couple reasons. Number one, they are part of the medical establishment. If the medical establishment actually says don't take antibiotics, you know, it's not like I'm, it's a chiropractor saying, well, you know, we don't like antibiotics because they are, um, you know, you should let the, the body take care of things. It's not that. This guy is a part of the medical establishment deep, and he says, don't take antibiotics. And he says it for a couple reasons. Number one, it doesn't work against bronchitis. Number two, it's dangerous not only for bronchitis, but it's dangerous for your entire health system. It destroys those friendly bacteria that are trying their best to protect you. People don't realize it, but over 80% of your immune system is in your gut. When you take antibiotics, you take non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs like you know, the, the inflammation and the fever-reducing drugs, or you take prednisone and the, the immune-suppressive drugs, you are destroying 80% of your immune system. Because that's how important those friendly bacteria are in your gut. So when you do these things, you're actually destroying your immune response, not helping it. So taking antibiotics when the medical journal says, you don't need it, it's just bronchitis. You can get over it on your own, and that's the only way to get over it. There's no evidence of benefit. Then you should listen. Okay? So it says, not only are physicians prescribing too often for sore throat, they are usually prescribing the wrong antibiotic. Okay, now we're switching from bronchitis to sore throat now, which is often, by the way, a precursor for bronchitis. Namely, you have the sore throat and things first, and then you go into the bronchitis. So, they're, you know, you should, according to these people, you should be prescribed an antibiotic for a sore throat when it is streptococcus bacteria. When you've got strep throat, then you should have an antibiotic. Now, you know, excuse me, but I probably even question that to some extent. And it's based on this article. Even though they say it's straight out, I say, well, I don't know, because it says this. Doctors prescribe antibiotics 60% of visits for sore throat and 73 visits for bronchitis during the study period. The antibiotic prescription rate should be 10% of sore throat and 0% for bronchitis. Now, down a little bit, they say this, only 9% of sore throat visits resulted in a penicillin prescription. This proportion didn't change over the study period. Meanwhile, um, prescription rates for azithromycin climbed by 5% to 15% for sore throat visits. Now, here's the, here's the key, though. What it says basically is this, that most of the antibiotics that are prescribed for strep throat are even the wrong antibiotic. 
Now, I think it's here. Not only are physicians prescribing too often for sore throat, okay, streptococcus bacteria have resistance to some of the newer antibiotics, but they are prescribed very often for sore throat, and the right antibiotic is not. So what's happening is this. About uh, 80% of the time, according to this article, the wrong antibiotic is prescribed for a person who has documented streptococcus infection. Now, if you do that, now just think about it just a second. If 80% of the time they're being prescribed a, an antibiotic that doesn't even affect streptococcus, the streptococcus just keeps going, then the, the, ask, the question is, how does a person get over that streptococcus infection? Well, their body has to do it, right? Their immune system has to do it. And a lot of people forget that your immune system is there to handle things like streptococcus bacteria. So if 80% of the visits that are reported for streptococcus are given the wrong antibiotic, namely a non-penicillin antibiotic, given the wrong antibiotic, that means that 80% of the people who are diagnosed with streptococcus bacteria get over it on their own. Their immune system is what gets them through it. If that's the case, then isn't it logical to say that, well, I guess maybe our immune system is that competent. Maybe our immune system is something that is absolutely incredible. I mean, beyond belief, competent. And so why are we every 10 minutes on the television told how incompetent our health is, how incompetent our body is? Now, we can do things to screw it up. We talked early in this uh, in this uh, broadcast here about how we know how to make ourselves sick, right? We can overload ourselves with sugar. You realize that every time you like drink a bottle of pop, you have basically cut the efficiency of your immune system by 40%? Just like that, bang. Okay? Now, it's, it's the case that people during the holiday season, I had an instance where somebody um, in, a, in a gathering that we had, that we, we attended, there was a little boy about uh, five years old who was just sick. I mean, he was just, oh, my gosh, he had such a bad cold. And it wasn't uh, 10 minutes, and I noticed over there that he had a the last part of a half gallon of ice cream in front of him, and he was shoveling it into his mouth. And we said, where did he get this? Well, it was given to him. Why? Because some people equate giving people sweet things with love. I just wanted him to feel better was the statement. And they didn't realize, well, maybe they didn't realize that they had just cut that kid's immune defenses by percentages, big percentages, and yet that's the thing that was done. So what I want you to do is, is from this, I want you to realize that there are things that you can avoid to strengthen your immune system. If you've got a cold or the flu right now or bronchitis, stay away from anything sweet. Don't interfere with that immune system because you can conquer it, all right? But... Also, I want you to realize that there are other things. You need to stay away from antibiotics as much as you possibly can. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm anti-antibiotic because I'm not. I believe that antibiotics are an important part of our healthcare system. And I think that there are appropriate times where antibiotics are necessary. For example, blood infections, where the blood infection is obviously bacterial in character. Oh my gosh, of course you need antibiotics. You know, well, let's, let's save your life. If you, uh, you know, 
have extreme injuries, of course anti-inflammatory drugs are important. Let's save your life, get you, get you a second chance. But the problem with antibiotic overuse is that those antibiotics are not going to be available for our children because over 2 million people get antibiotic-resistant infections per year at this particular point. And a large number of those people actually die from the uh, bacterial infections. As a matter of fact, 25,000 people die from infections that are due to microbial-resistant bacteria. Now, how did they get resistant? They got resistant due to the overuse of antibiotics. So do you want your grandchildren to have those powerful medicines available if they get a blood infection, hospital blood infection sometime in the future? I do. I want those to be available. So don't use overuse antibiotics. Now, according to this article, doctors are not getting the message. So it's vitally important that you get the message. After all, we started by saying you are responsible for your health. And so you have to get the message. You have to tell your doctor, I don't want antibiotics unless you can prove to me this is a blood infection or prove to me that this is not a viral infection. I want the proof because otherwise I am on the, the, uh, the path that says I want antibiotics to be effective for my grandchildren. All right, that's my concern. Now, that's hard to do when you don't feel good and when you're really sick and when an authority tells you, well, let's prescribe antibiotics. Well, let me give you a clue. Many people who prescribe antibiotics for a viral infection are doing it because they think you want them to. I learned this very early, and it was very unfortunate. I had a patient who um, the child in the family had febrile seizures, and those febrile seizures were, you know, very scary things for the parents. And so I just researched this thing like crazy. And I found out that benign febrile seizures, namely febrile seizures that don't cause any ill effect, are something that you just don't even treat. You just let them have it if they have it and they get over it. They're short seizures. They're scary, but they're short and you just let it go. But in one of the journals, it said this, in fact, two of the journals, it said this, that if the parents are too disturbed by those febrile seizures, you can give them anti-epileptic drugs, anti-seizure drugs appropriate to epilepsy, if the parents are too disturbed by the symptom of a benign febrile seizure. And I lost it. I just lost it. I said, are you kidding me? You're going to give the child dangerous drugs that can lead to mental retardation, gum overgrowth. I mean, these big, you know, uh, big crooked teeth and stuff and the gums like, you know, Austin Powers. You give them these dangerous drugs because the parents are frightened. So you're treating the parents rather than the child. Treating the parents anxiety by giving the child dangerous drugs. Now. If that was a journal recommendation, and it was, you've got to be very, very careful. And if, a, if you sense that your doctor is overprescribing these antibiotics, you've got to question them, you've got to confront them with it, and you maybe even get away from them. Because there are, doc, there are good doctors out there who do acknowledge the evidence. There are great doctors out there who say, you know, there's... Antibiotics can cause more harm than good sometimes, and I don't think this is appropriate. I'll tell you what, we'll look at you again next week and find out how you're doing. 
but I think that we need to give your body a chance to heal because that's what bodies do is they heal. Now, one bit of help here that I think is so important. Now, if you are currently involved in a flu infection or a cold infection, this is what I say to do. The Virology Journal back in 2006 had an article that talked about temperature sensitivity of influenza viruses or flu viruses. Same thing for cold. Viruses hate heat. Let yourself have a fever. It can even go up to 104. You'll be absolutely miserable, but it is so important that those viruses not be able to replicate. The higher the temperature, that means the worse the infection, the more you need a fever. So let the fever go. Plus, gargle and swallow hot water all day long. Have it by your bedside in a cup on a cup warmer at night. Gargle and swallow hot water. Stay away from cold stuff. Viruses, flu viruses and cold viruses hate higher temperatures. They can't reproduce. They can't replicate. So do that. Find out how to warm everything up. Put on a coat, stay out of the cold weather, because as you breathe the cold air, your throat cells cool down, makes it perfect for viruses, not perfect for you. So do everything to keep yourself toasty warm. Lay in the bed covered with you know blanket after blanket and cook those viruses out of existence. So do that, and that's going to help you right now. But gargle and swallow more and more hot water, and you're going to have a shorter course, but you're still going to have to go through it. It's just going to be a lot easier. You're going to melt the phlegm. You're going to incubate and, and swallow it. Don't worry about it or spit it out, but get it off the throat. And then um, incubate those immune cells because heat also, it's just like a little chicken egg. Chicken eggs, you set them on the kitchen table, they don't hatch. You put them under a chicken or under a hot light, they hatch. Why? Because they need the extra heat to incubate. It's the same thing with your immune cells. The, the cells that fight the viruses, that produce the antibodies, have to have heat in order to optimally divide and, and go to this point of the infection. It's absolutely required by the body to do it. So when you're developing a fever, don't let anybody throw you in a cold tub or anything like that. You know, just don't let them do it. Keep the fever, get rid of the virus rather than vice versa. Okay, we'll talk to you next week. Be healthy. Take control of your health. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye.